1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If you don't have an opinion, he'll give you one.
2: He's one. It's the John Chuckery Show on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
3: Sports Radio, 92.9 at the game. Back at a Chuckery show. Halfway home on this Monday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. We'll get to uh, That's Live coming up in about 20 minutes from right now. Um, You heard the promo. So, Wednesday night, we got Atlanta United uh, soccer coming up. But... I will be out at Hampton and Hudson from 7 to 9, so come on by. Uh, it's on North High. What is that? Is that – so I heard that that's not Inman Park. That That's in the Highlands, right?
2: Yeah, no, I was going to say that's not Inman Park, I don't think.
3: Yeah, so um, North Highland uh, Avenue, I believe, and uh, Hampton and Hudson. So come on by. I'll be out there from 7 to 9, so come hang out with us. Uh, watch some Atlanta United um, and – excuse me. Something went down the wrong throat. uh. But come out and watch some Atlanta United with us. And we got some giveaways and all that good kind of stuff. So we'll be hanging out there for a couple of hours. But the uh, Atlanta Braves. So it, it is remarkable that, you know, when you look at what this team has done at 60 and 29, battling through injuries and, and everything else, answering all of the different questions that they've had, you know, Think about, and I talked about this on my podcast here recently. Look at how they've lost an MVP first baseman, a Gold Glove shortstop, maybe one of the better shortstops in all of Major League Baseball. They lost a guy who was a clo- who was their closer last year that led the league. I think led the league in saves in the National League, or finished somewhere in the top two or three in saves in the National League. They've had all of these losses. They lost an all-star catcher off their roster. And through all of that, this team sits at 60-29. and 29. They lose Dansby Swanson, no problem. Orlando RC is the starting all-star shortstop. They lose Freddie Freeman, the MVP, no problem. Matt Olsen's having a monster year. He's on pace to break the home run record in a season for the Braves. And they've signed him long-term. They lost William Contreras, an all-star catcher, no problem. Sean Murphy is a top-five MVP candidate. Make no mistake about it. Sean Murphy is a top-five MVP candidate. Ronnie's a, Ronnie is the runaway winner of the MVP award in the National League. It's not, and by the way, it's not even close. It's not close among voters. It's not close in betting with Vegas. It's not even close. He's the runaway winner. And it's all coming to fruition this year for Ronnie. But Sean Murphy is a guy that Freddie's probably in that top five, but Sean Murphy's in that top five as well. He's been outstanding for this team as both obviously a dominant defensive catcher, but he's been outstanding offensively. And again, it's a matter of getting him out of Oakland Alameda Coliseum. 17 homers, 55 RBI, 306 with a 400 on-base percentage and a 999 OPS in just 67 games. He's only played 67 games, only had 232 at-bats, and yet he's got 17 homers and 55 RBI at the catcher position. And think about Austin Riley has not had a breakout week or two where he just crushes everything. Michael Harris has not dominated the way that we saw him last year dominate. But again, they're still contributing to this team and doing things that don't always necessarily show up in the box score. Uh, Michael Harris is 11 steals with one caught stealing. He's not striking out as much. He's not. He's walking at a little bit higher rate. And Arcee is a plus-war defensive player. Michael Harris is a plus-war defensive player. They're doing all of the little things that are right. And then we talk about all the injuries to their starting pitching staff. Right? Guy after guy after guy after guy that's gone down. And yet Strider and Elder are right there in the All-Star game. It is remarkable that when you think about that 2020 draft class, and we've talked about this before on the show, that. We've said this 2020 draft class could go down as one of the great draft classes in Braves history. If for no other reason than Schuster, Elder, and Strider came out of that draft class. That's two all-stars that you've already gotten out of this draft class. And I think the stat that I saw, and um, I believe that it was Spencer Strider, is only the second pitcher in baseball history or modern baseball history. And let's see here. He, uh, uh, Let's see here. I'll give you the stat in just a second here. So, Spencer Strider joins Max Scherzer, okay? So, how about this? Max Scherzer and Spencer Strider, the only guys. Um, Let's see here. Strider is the second player in the All-Star era since 1933, okay? So that's when the All-Star game started. He's only the second player in the All-Star era to strike out 160 batters and allow 80 hits or fewer entering the All-Star break. He joins Max Scherzer in 2017 when he went on to take home the NL Cy Young Award. Now think about that. 160 strikeouts and fewer than 80 hits. What have we talked about all year long about Spencer Strider? You know, again, other than that rough patch, he was, you know, for a while there he was leading the league in fewest hits per nine innings. Wasn't giving up many homers. Wasn't allowing base runners on. He had an incredible strikeout-to-walk ratio. And here he is sitting with 11 wins and a 160-plus strikeouts. To be fair, <clears throat> excuse me, it's uh, 166, to be exact, in 104 innings, 14.3 strikeout per nine ratio, 4.88 strikeout-to-walk ratio with a 1.089 whip, only giving up 6.9 hits uh, per nine innings, and sitting at 11 and two with a 344 ERA. It's remarkable know, it, it, And again, that draft class is going to go down as a legendary class. If, if Schuster, Elder, Strider can stay on the pathways that they're on and they can continue to grow, there's no reason not to think that these aren't you know, one of, the, one of the best draft classes in Braves history. I don't, I don't know all of the Braves draft classes. I'm sure that there are probably one or two that are right there near the top with everything. But certainly, when you look at that 2020 class, and you think about how much these guys have done in a short amount of time, and the fact that three years ago Spencer Strider was pitching for Clemson University, it is remarkable. But they have gotten contribution out of contribution. Look, Eddie Rosario, we talked about this at the top of the show. Now you feel like you probably don't have to go out and desperately have to find a left fielder. You don't feel like that you have to go out and find a guy who can play every day in left field. You could probably get a guy that, comes off your bench and maybe, you know, hits left-handed pitching well. But Rosario has proven himself that, okay, he's, he's now back on track to be able to hold down an everyday spot. Orlando, or um, um, Michael, uh, I can't even speak, Marcelo Zuna. You know, he's been one of the few, you know, bright spots. And for the start that he got off to, <clears throat> think about think about how bad, his first part of the year was. And the fact that he has really blossomed and and he's held his own, right? He's played in 73 games. He's got 17 homers, 40 RBI, and hitting two fifty. Like, he's contributing, right? He's never going to be a huge on-base guy. He's never going to be a huge RBI guy. But he's contributing, not just his home runs, because that's what's made him a one-trick pony, but he is contributing some other runs and scoring some runs and hitting for a decent enough average that at 3.23 on base with a 250 batting average, he's doing a lot of good things. And think about how Travis Darno <clears throat> has kind of accepted that role of not being the everyday catcher. And that's why I like the idea of having Travis Darno on this club, that his ego doesn't get in the way that he's got to be an everyday player at this point of his career at 34 years old. He knows, even guys like Kevin Pillar have had contributions on this offense, and their offense has obviously been outstanding, on track to set the modern day record of 900 and what seven runs, I think it is, from the 2003 Braves. But you're getting contribution after contribution after contribution from every part of their lineup, from every part of their staff. Yeah, I could see the idea that they would add. A bullpen piece or two, but you don't feel like you have to add much of anything else. You feel like you've got first world problems. You feel like you're not in a desperate situation now to have to add a starting pitcher or a high caliber starting pitcher because you're going to get Max Freed back here soon. So if I've got Freed, Elder, Strider, Morton, and if you know Michael Soroka, assuming that he, you know, again when Kyle Wright comes back that's just even more and you don't have to and you don't feel like you have to rush him back so again it is remarkable when you look at everything about this club from the player development to Alex Anthopoulos the general manager to their scouting department to Brian Snitker to everybody in this organization that they have gotten They've gotten contributions out of everyone and everything in this organization, and that's why they're the best team in the National League, maybe in Major League Baseball. They just beat the team that two out of three games on their home field that had been the best team in baseball. And part of that was you know, because of that hot start they got off to. What, they went 12 or 13 games in a row to start the season? 13. 13, 13 yep. Row. So they were 13-0 to start the season. So, again, if you take that away, they've not been nearly as good as what the Braves you know, have been for it. But, again, this team has been outstanding. I haven't even talked about Ozzie Albies, who's back on track now. You know, he's he's profiling to be another 30-homer, 100-RBI, 100-run kind of season for this team. Again, everybody has had a hand in the success of this club, and that's why it's the deepest lineup in baseball. It's been a pitching staff that, through all of their injuries, has maintained and found a way to get it done, They've been able to overcome those injuries because the guys that they have have stepped up. And Morton has done the same thing. Look, Morton's got nine wins going into the break. He's on pace for a 200-strikeout season. And, and this may be his last year. Now, this, this may be his, his swan song, his finale, what have you. But, again, Freed, Wright, and Freed's got one more year after, after this year. So he's a free agent at the end of 2024. But Freed, Wright, Strider, Elder, Soroka, you know, and then Schuster and Dodd. Like, they have a plethora of starting pitching. Now, again, we've seen you can't have too much starting pitching, but my point is that when you get everybody healthy and ready to go, you've got a lot of options. Now, I don't know how often guys are going to stay healthy through 162-game season, but you feel like you have lots of options in that. You feel like you're blessed because of all of the pitching that you do have on this club. And it's a situation where they've done a fantastic job of scouting and developing their young players. Whether it's been their pitching staff, whether it's been Michael Harris, you know, again, they've done an outstanding job of being able to elevate guys from the minor leagues <clears throat> and have them have success. Whereas there were times when we've seen lots of pitchers that came up and did not have any success. That they were on that Partridge family bus that was shuttling between Buford and, and um, Smyrna. But now they've got a really good core, and it's why they're the best team in the National League. That they, they've got their group, and everybody's contributing. They're deep. They're loaded. They're talented. This is the best team in all of Major League Baseball. All right, that's life when we get back. Um, more people who are getting what they deserve because of Tic Tac. Chuck Renekia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it.
2: Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: with John. It's the John Chuckery Show.
3: Sports Radio 92.9 The Game Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at it. John Chuckery Show. 921 Live from the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's, That's what all the people say. 404-726-0929. That is April, our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. I Odyssey, Apple, you catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 the game. I'm at JMCH316. How about this, Dom? We So Day-Day, Day-Day and I talk a lot about this, that there are so many people... That do these stupid tic-tac challenges, right? Are you on tic-tac? I have one, but I do not use it really okay. at all. So the only reason, I, I don't even have an account, but I wa- I monitor my daughter's tic-tacs. Right. Because there are so many stupid people on here. And we've talked about all kinds of examples. People jumping out in front of traffic, um, doing all kinds of stupid stuff for these challenges, right? Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> the latest one is jumping from a boat that's moving at a high rate of speed. Okay? Four people have already died from this challenge. And you know why four people have died? Because that's the only four people that they can (laughs) account for that have died doing this challenge. TikTok boat challenge, boat jumping challenge, that sees people jump off vessels moving at high speed is blamed for four deaths in Alabama as cops say victims broke their neck instantly. You know what? That's called natural selection. It's the bottom (laughs) of the freaking food chain, okay? It's the bottom of the food chain when you get to that level. And we talk about how stupid these people are Doing these idiotic challenges, you know that's called thinning the herd, man. I agree. Yeah. TikTok was just
2: do the dances, guys. Like just just stick with yes. the nice little dances. You know, you're doing all the little cute stuff, shaking your hips, all that. Have some fun with it, but like, come on, let's 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 rein it back in, please. Yeah,
3: just again, it's it's just ridiculous how stupid some of these people are. But I mean, that's that's what we deal with in our society. All right. Um, this is also a fun story. So, <clears throat> the Chinese government is um, investigating a restaurant uh, in China that has challenged its customers to eat more than a hundred dumplings in return for a free meal. Okay local authorities in Yaibin or Yibin City Y I B I N in the southwestern province of Shishuan, Sichuan S I C H U A N swooped in <clears throat> swooped in on the restaurant after hearing it's king of big stomach challenge um the re- challenge reportedly involved Patrons competing to eat a hundred and one or 108, I should say, spicy wonton dumplings as quick as possible to win a free meal and additional prizes. They said the restaurant had advertised on social media to entice patrons uh, only to find itself in the hot seat when the state administration for market regulation said it would open up an investigation into whether it had breached the law surrounding food waste. Huh. While eating contests are relatively common in Western countries and can be uh, bring f- fr- uh, fame to their winners like Joey Chestnut, yep. right? Yep. All right. They can be a sensitive matter in countries like China. Many in the country still have memories of the famine of the 50s and 60s that killed an estimated 45 million people. Well, you know, again because they're such a free and you know, libertarian society. Oh, they're not. No, oh, okay. <laughs> Chaicoms. Um, the cover said the restaurant which it did not name was one of several being probed by authorities over similar competitions. The Chinese leader, uh, Xi Jinping has in the past called food waste a shocking and distress <clears throat> shocking and distressing, and in March this year said agricultural supplies were the likely foundation of national security. Now, think about that. Think about how much food we waste in this right. country. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, think about how much food we just don't ever consume. And yet those people are, you know, living hand to mouth, right? Um, so, again, if you're going to offer a dumpling eating contest in China just be aware by yeah. the way who would want 108 spicy wonton dumplings to start with i was i was going to say how many do you think you could eat not many
2: not many see yeah. i like spicy food so like i think i could i think i could get to 20 before
3: i well I, it also depends uh, on how big the dumplings I'm are i'm not even i'm not even that crazy about dumplings like i don't mind dumplings uh-huh. I, I like dumplings yeah the spiciness would get to me as well but mm-hmm, i'm not even that i'm not even that I'm not even that excited yeah. about eating a, a whole <laughs> bunch of dumplings, you know, to okay. start with. Fair. All right. Would you, Dom? Okay. You have to stay in a cabin for one month. Mm-hmm. You will have food, water, firewood, but no internet, cell phone, or TV. On the last day, you walk out with a hundred thousand dollars. Would you do it? Yes.
2: Yes. Can I bring books? If I can bring books to just read, I'm fine. Because I'm I'm a homebody. I can stay at home and relax and be. Completely
3: what if fine. you can't? What if What if you can't take anything with you? <sighs> you just have your food, water, firewood, but nothing else. Oh man, that's a month of
2: solitude with no nothing to really entertain yep. me. That's. Yep, I would definitely give it a try. Like, I that's would. A hundred thousand dollars. Hey, I, I, yeah. I could. I could. I could do that all day long. Yeah. Like
3: I. I in, I'm an only child. I enjoy being by myself. I mm-hmm. I enjoy my peace and solitude to yeah. myself. That's So see
2: that's what I said. I'm a homebody. It's 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 funny my mom always said that like had she had any of her other children first, she probably wouldn't have had kids because right. I was a, like I was a lie. Mm-hmm. Like I was a very easy child to take care right. of cuz like I didn't want I wasn't always trying to go out. I wasn't sneaking out. I was right. like, "No, I'm I'm chilling in my room, playing my game, yep. watching a movie. I'm chilling. I'm yep. good."
3: <laughs> All right. Um so I got my tickets the other day. Um, so I'm going Saturday night to the IMAX to see Mission Ridiculous. Okay. Now I love the Mission Impossible movies. Yes. I uh, and, and again, Tom Cruise is is I was I was reading a really good article in I wanna say it was variety. I think it was variety. I don't think mm-hmm. it was I don't think it was Vogue. I think it was variety yeah. about Tom Cruise and just his appeal and they were talking to different PR firms and stuff like that. And look, he's a kook. I mean Let's not get it twisted. Yeah. I mean, he's he's, he's he's a kook. He's a Scientologist <laughs> and all that kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But he is money at the box office, okay? As testament to how big that Top Gun Two was this past year, which was filmed four years ago, right? And again, this Mission Impossible movie, it's gonna it's gonna do all kinds of records. By the way, I have no desire, and I'm the biggest Indiana Jones fan. I have no desire to see this Indiana Jones movie. Like Man? I know I'm gonna pay 25 bucks and be. Thoroughly disappointed in it. Abe said he was he was cool with it. Yeah, because he likes every movie. <laughs> he's a dope. He likes every movie. Okay. Again, he's got no filter for you know bad movies and good movies. But I am I am I am I am not only going, but I'm going to the IMAX mm-hmm. to watch oh, Mission yeah. Impossible. So, you got to. You so got to. So with that, tonight's top ten list made this easy for you. Top ten favorite Tom Cruise movies. They did. Or sorry, uh, Dom. The floor is yours. <laughs> Close. Similar names. I guess. it. Yes. Yes.
2: Um, top ten. Top ten. So, I did a little bit of a cheat, and I just put all of the Mission Impossible's together. Like I just kind of lumped. Okay. Just because I, that would be six of my spots, <laughs> of the ten spots. You basically. know, I I don't
3: really like the second one all that uh-huh. much. Um, that's the John Woo film. Yeah. It's kind of hokey. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one isn't bad. I don't like, I, I don't like the villain um, mm-hmm. just because um, what's his name, um, uh, the guy who died here a few years ago, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, gotcha. You know he's not a very intimidating guy or yeah. anything like that. But <laughs> yeah. but there are some really cool scenes in the in the third mm-hmm. one. Um, so I I can get that, but I just I had to separate mine because yeah. there are There's, some yeah, that absolutely. aren't aren't as good I think in yeah. the series. All right, so at number ten I have Top
2: Gun Two. Mm-hmm. At number nine, I have The Outsiders. Oh, okay, nice. At number
3: eight, I have Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, I, I think that's a very underrated movie. I, I think I think him and Brad Pitt are really yes. good in that movie. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, and uh, actually, actually, Kirsten Dunst steals the mm-hmm. uh, show. Yeah, she's in that movie. Yeah, she's yeah.
2: really good in that movie. Um, I have at seven a few Good Men. Yes. I have at six uh, a little bit of a. I don't know how many how other people feel about this film, but I really like his movie Minority Report. Um,
3: I like that movie. It's a Spielberg movie. Yes. Um, it It is. It is very Spielberg esque. Yes, I will yes. say that.
2: But I, I remember always enjoying that movie, mm-hmm. especially when I was younger. Um, at number five, I have Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. At number four, Tropic Thunder. He is st- steals the show, and what is a very funny film and one of my favorite comedies. He steals the show. He's fantastic. Yeah. What it. is it? Les Goldman that he plays. He plays the. He yes. plays
3: the he plays the agent or. Yeah, so he's, he's a Hollywood the, he's agent. The, he's the Hollywood. No, no. He's the, basically the guy he, he's that's the back executive in the movie. producer. Yes, 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 executive producer. Yes. Yes. Um, at three, I just
2: put Mission Impossible. That's all of them. Just lump
3: Right, lump it right. together.
2: Um, at number two, I have Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow is the movie that he did a few years Was ago. Was that with Emily Blunt? Yes. Okay. That movie is fantastic. And then, of course, at number one, I have Top Gun.
3: All right. So, in no particular order, I've got both Top Gun and Top Gun Two, mm-hmm. and I remember when the original um, came out. So, yeah. um, I'm very fond of that movie. Um, I love Risky Business, and good that's one, good one. that's one of his early movies, mm-hmm. very underrated. Um, I like the guy, the guy who played Booger in Revenge of the Nerds. That's also in that movie. He was also in the in the in the uh, TV show Moonlighting. He was the detective. Not Bruce Willis, but he was the detective who was in love with the secretary or whatever, like that. Can't remember what that guy's name is, but but that that's a good movie. Um, collateral, him and Jamie Fox. Uh, I thought he was fantastic in Collateral. That's a really good mm-hmm. movie. Michael Mann, that's the guy who did the uh, Miami Vice TV show. He, okay, he, yeah. he did the he did the Miami Vice movie, movie too. That yeah. was that was crap. But Michael <laughs> Mann, Michael Mann did Manhunter. Um, that's the original movie that has. Um, uh what's his name who's the cannibal uh hannibal Lecter. oh uh, that 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 manhunter manhunter has the has the original version of hannibal Lecter in it that's brian cox that plays hannibal Lecter in that movie yeah um i've got mission impossible and i still think that mission impossible the first one is the best one and and i love that movie i love that's from one of my favorite directors of all time brian de palma um Mm -hmm. i love brian de palma movies Um, But I I still I still think the first Mission Impossible movie is the best one. Yeah. And I'll tell you what my second favorite is. It's Ghost Protocol, um, the one that has Jeremy Renner Uh um, in it. Um, And also, what's her name? Uh, Paula Pat? Is it Paula Patton? No, who who's who's the guy that? Uh, oh, uh, you mean Robin Thicke's ex-wife? Yes, yes. Paula. Or, is it Paula Patton?
2: Paul, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Paula, Paula Patton. Paula Patton. Yes. Yeah,
3: she looks pretty good in that movie. <laughs> yeah, so. she does. Um, but I, I really like that that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a few good men, obviously. Yeah. Um, that's a fantastic movie. Um, War of the Worlds. War
2: of the Worlds not a bad one. Yeah, yeah. And
3: I think that's a Spielberg movie as well, right? That's I think that's Steven Spielberg that directed that movie as well. it it. it it, it, feels it feels like, like Spielberg. A yeah, Spielberg, yeah, but movie I, I think it did. is a Spielberg movie. Yeah. So, um, and then I think a couple of underrated movies. In in a mm-hmm. way, one is not so underrated, but um, but this first one, The Firm. You ever seen okay. The Firm? I haven't the, seen The, the John film. Grisham. I, I know of it. I haven't seen it. Okay, I, I think it's a really good flick. Okay. Uh, I mean, and Ed Harris and Wilford Brimley and the actors that are in it play really good. And Hal Holbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like really good acting in it, but it's yeah. it's a really it's a good flick. It's if you like John Grisham at all, it's a very interesting flick. Um Gene Hackman mm-hmm. is in it as well. So I love him. Um and then one of my absolute favorites, and this is so eighties pop culture for me, but cocktail. Cocktail. Uh, again, okay. I can recite so many <laughs> lines from that movie. Again, I always I always use the line that Tom Cruise had in that movie. Coglan's Law. Nothing ever ends well or it wouldn't end. Yep. You know, and so I again I love cocktail. That that's one of those 80s it's kokomo has a great <laughs> soundtrack to it kokomo the georgia satellites are on it um uh uh the fabulous thunderbirds uh, are on that uh soundtrack as well a lot of good uh music on that but it's it's pure 80s just kind of pop and stuff like that so i enjoy that one as well all right when we get back kurt heelan caught up with us earlier in the show what he had to say about the hawks and the NBA offseason thus far, as he's at summer camp currently. Chuckery in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, and the Odyssey.com app.
2: Now, 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 now. now more of the John Chuckery Show. Sports
3: Radio,
1: 92.9 The Game.
3: Dr. Buddy Kurt Nealon, NBA writer, managing editor for NBC Sports, you can follow him on his personal Twitter page at Basketball Talk. And uh, Kurt, I'm guessing that you are at uh, some summer league action, are you not?
0: I am. I am actually in the Thomas and Mack right now, trying to get to a slightly quieter place somewhere. But yeah, I'm here.
3: So, uh, appreciate the time as always, Kurt. Let's um, let's start with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, obviously here, and um, you know, look, I, I, we, you and I specifically have talked about this about the Dejounte Murray deal, and I, I really like the fact that they offered him a veteran max. They didn't monkey around. They didn't try to nickel and dime. They wanted him here. He wanted to be here. I just I I think this is a win win all the way around to where now it can be just about basketball and all of the other narratives are behind this team now.
0: Yeah, and I think I think you combine that with a a new coaching staff, kind of a new feeling and direction. And it just gives them a him a chance them a chance to to reset this thing and and get it to work in a way it just kinda didn't last year. Hey, at this point, See what does work. See what doesn't work. You know, kind of weirdness with John Collins is gone. Just get it all reset. And then, hey, if it's not working, you assess where you got to go from there. But I, I think whatever's going to happen, there's a good chance Murray is a part of it.
3: So, you know, the other name that we've been hearing a lot of is Pascal Siakam, who, you know, there's yeah. been rumors of him linked to – the Atlanta Hawks. But I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. Does it make a whole lot of sense that if you're going to turn back around and he's going to become an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, are, are you going right back down into another financial hole, or is the risk worth it to just bring a guy in on the final year of a contract and see, see if you can make a real run at this thing? Well,
0: I think that conversation has to start with ownership to a degree just because because of the cost, so to Joachim, people there's some fans who are going to be a little surprised. He's a max guy. He is a borderline All NBA player. He um, just missed out this year. Has made it in the past. He absolutely can be one of the two best players on a very good team. He's a two-way player, and I think people just haven't seen as much of him because it's not. It's not good for ratings numbers to put Toronto on American television. So you don't see him that much if you're right. not watching newscasts. Um, and he's that good. But I think the financial part of that is that if you're going to combine him with Trey slash Jean-Tierre, I mean, however you're going to, under the new CBA, you wouldn't be able to keep all three of them. So suddenly you're kind of dancing around whatever you think that looks like. You're making a huge commitment. And I guess, is that a, I guess the question is, do you feel that that's the better match for what you want to be? Is it a guard and a wing, basically, in Siakam, a better fit than your two guards? And it kind of depends on the player and what they want to do, but if you feel the guards aren't working, then there are worse players to bring in, but you kind of nailed it. If you bring him in, you're basically committing, because it's going to cost a fair amount to trade him, you're committing to pay for him
3: yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the other question becomes, too, is, you know, this is where my frustration lies is I understand trading John Collins I and I've got no problem with that and trying to get under the luxury tax in different things. But every other move that they have made thus far is still about the same thing. It's about saving money. It's about luxury tax. It's about cap space. It's not about it. So far, every move that they've made, whether it's Ty Ty Washington or Patty Mills or Rudy Gay, has been all about saving money. It's not been about making the basketball team better. And I do wonder, and look, I've repeatedly said this. You know, I think, you know, you and I have discussed this specifically. I think they're by and large going to run this thing back and try to separate themselves a little bit in the luxury tax. Knowing that they've got a player that's going to get 120 million dollars for the next four years now, combined with their supermax player.
0: Yeah, and they're, they're not going to be the only team running a little scared of the new CBA, a little scared of the tax. I think that this thing, the way it was set up, was not just to not just to put in financial penalties because the problem was. With Steve Ballmer and with well, Brooklyn until they had <laughs> until it a apart there and they had to trade everybody. Golden State with the cash cow that is the chase owner it just didn't work. Like they were just, there's owners and there'll be new owners coming in who are just willing to pay that but Matt Issue is kind of doing that whole hey, whatever it takes. Like let's, you know, let's see if we can, what, what second apron on the luxury tax? Let's just go. Um, We'll see how that works out. I think there's a lot more owners who are looking at that saying, I don't want to pay that. And once we do, we lose. You can't be any the exception. You can't be guys in the buyout. You can't limit what you can do with trade. Once you do all that, it really limits how you can build a team. So I think there's just a lot of teams. I think that's going to become a de facto hard staff. And they're not going to be the only team trying to figure out how to dance around that. And like dancing around that just means figuring out what system you're going to play, and then who are the best players you can get to fit into that because you're going to have to – your superstars are going to have to be really compatible.
3: Kurt Healand lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com, joining me on the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's bounce around the league a little bit. Um, obviously, look, the Dame Lillard thing has been very interesting because a couple of weeks ago this was a done deal, him going to Miami – and now we're seeing that the general manager is coming out and saying, okay, uh, this could take months or whatever like that. Is Dame Lillard willing to wait months? Or, you know, again, if he doesn't get his right team, like how is this going to play itself out?
0: Um, I'm sorry, you broke up there a little. I mean, you were talking about the Lillard situation? Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, again, if, if he doesn't, if, if, if the GM is saying that this could take months, yep. well, I mean, and Dame Lillard doesn't get the team that he wants – you know how is this all going to play out then? I mean, I mean, I don't. Again, nothing ends well, or it wouldn't end, according to Tom Cruise and Cocktail. But I, I don't see how any of this, you know, works itself out to where he gets what he wants and the Blazers get what they want.
0: I well, look first. I'm agreeing with you on that part. I don't think everybody's going to get what they want. Ultimately, though, I think he ends up in Miami, and it's less about. The posturing by his agent, or anything else, and the fact that there's not really a market for Lillard outside of Miami, because everybody likes to talk about, hey, what if, what if Brooklyn throws some of their picks in and they, and they trade for him? But Brooklyn with Dan Lillard is Portland with yeah. and it's kind of the same with Utah, right? Like they're not; those two teams get Lillard and they're not contended. They're good, they're better. They're good playoff teams, but they're not a threat to win at all. And so, I don't know how many teams are going to take on 200 plus million dollars over four years and take him 60 63 million when 36 years old. To be good, but that's that's just nobody's going to do that. So if that's not what's happening, I got a feeling you're going to see a lot. I, I just I got a feeling Miami's the only team in a position where. He legitimately makes them probably the favorites in the East. And so teams are willing to pay that. Or if they're willing to pay that, they'll work a third team into the deal so the Tyler Hero ends up somewhere else. But I don't I just don't see another option other than he ultimately ends up there and Portland gets back less than they were hoping. Which hey, maybe they should have traded him when he was at the peak of his value a couple of years ago.
3: Yeah. So, what's been the player reaction to this NBA in-season tournament that's going to come starting in November? Um, Again, I I just I I look at this thing, Kurt, and I'm just like, I mean, are, are we? You know, this is this is becoming Doink the Clown, and it's 1995 WWE with all the gimmicks that they're throwing in here.
0: Yeah, I honestly, publicly, right now. Everybody's just kind of saying the same thing, which is even privately, ranging from whatever, that's fine, to I'll give it a shot. Just I will say this, for how they've arranged it, for everything they've done, it's one extra game for two teams. Like they've just kind of integrated it into the regular season so it's not disruptive. And so players, players have been told, Hey, this could be really good for league revenue. This could be really good for our revenue. If this takes off, you can sell it almost as a separate package to a, a broadcaster, or at least the final couple of games. And this will bring in more, basically if it brings in more revenue. That's more money that just ends up in the players' pockets. So let's all give this a shot. And that's just kind of where everybody is. Whether fans care—that's hey, that's the million-dollar question. I, I, I mean. I'll ask you. I mean, when we get to November, I imagine that you're going to spend several segments. You're not going to talk about the Haw- um, Falcons' quarterback situation. You're, you're going to be talking about how the Hawks are doing in the tournament,
3: right? Yeah, I mean, we're we're going to be breaking it down step by step, Kurt. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna be going nine man deep into the in season tournament in November when when there's when there's eight thousand games. To still be played in the NBA, right? We're gonna we're gonna be diving into that tournament. Yeah, I just
0: <laughs> I think that that's the million dollars thing. Here's the thing: it is baked, in, and we've talked about this. In my mind, it is baked into the soccer fan, the English, the, you know, not English, European soccer fan, worldwide soccer fan mentality. Um, and I'm a soccer fan. I work, man, I, I I watch FA Cup games. I love Champions League, but you know why those things are so part of the reason those things are so important. You don't have playoffs. Yeah, they have a regular season, and your regular season qualifies you for Champions League next year or you know UEFA Cup or what. Like it, this is the playoffs for them. We've got playoffs, so I'm just we'll see. I'm just not sold that the American sports fans are going to buy in the same way, but we'll see.
3: Last question, with uh, with just about a minute to go. Um, and Kurt Heelan joining us here on the uh, Wait4.com hotline. Um, Wemby going to play just the two games here in the summer league. It seems like that this was always the plan. And it seems like a lot of guys now that are top draft picks are going to be sitting a-, a little bit through summer league. So uh, again, did we learn anything in his two games or, I mean, you know, uh, how much, how much do we take from his two games in, in summer league?
0: Yeah, the top players, either returning or you new know, or just drafted, are basically all going to play two games. And whether that's Wemby or Scoot Henderson or like, I don't know, returning stars like Jabari Parker or something, two games and they're out. That's kind of how it's going to go. Um, and if you're not standing out, if you're Jaden Ivey, who has really not looked great to Detroit, I mean, looks good, but not as good as you hoped, it's almost more concerning. I think that that's just the way of the world now. Summer league becomes about checking out guys who are going to be on the G League team in the end of the bench, and a lot of guys who are going to be playing in Europe. And once you get past this first weekend, it's just it's, the, the shine comes off of it a little bit. And it, I mean, it's still a, it's still a really cool event. You should absolutely come out if you're a fan sometime. But it, in terms of the biggest stars, it's not the same. And this is just how it's going to be now because they've got so much invested in a guy like Wendy. They're not going. Like they're not going to risk it.
3: Kurt Heelan is the lead NBA writer, managing editor for NBCSports.com. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at BasketballTalk, and he join me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Kurt, uh, don't lose all of your money while you're out in Vegas. So, uh, and, and listen, we will uh, we will talk to you again here soon.
0: I don't really have that much money to lose anymore, but, yeah, that's, I, I will try
3: to. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt, as always. Appreciate it, buddy. Care, man.